We're continuing our coverage of the devastation left behind by post-tropical storm Fiona in Atlantic Canada. On Friday night, of course, we spoke to a bunch of people from right across the region about what they were anticipating. Everyone we knew was ready, uh, but nothing prepares you for what happened. It was um, it was as bad as predicted. Luckily, it was predicted, so people knew what was coming. And if there's a silver lining in all of this, it is certainly that. The Canadian Red Cross, of course, um, always there when these things happen. There's been a massive response to help those affected by Fiona. It carried on today. It's a huge operation given the scale and scope of the destruction across so many provinces in areas that are sometimes hard to get to. Um, and the work continues to figure out who needs help the most and how to get it to them. Joining me now is Dan Bedell. He's Canadian Red Cross uh, with the Canadian Red Cross in the Atlantic region. Thanks so much for your time. Glad to be here, Ben. Just to look at the scale of it, I mean, I remember Friday night talking about what was coming, but by Saturday afternoon, it was hard to imagine what had come. It was just so widespread and the scope of it was so big. What have you been able to do so far to offer help and how do you assess it's so big? Well, just to go back to your original comment there, you're absolutely right. The one advantage with a hurricane, of course, is that you do have time to prepare. I mean, we knew... Uh, several days before the the event that uh, was coming our way. And uh, the forecast on this one, in terms of its path into the Atlantic region, was pretty much bang on. It it went almost exactly uh, the route that that it was forecast. So that helps in the planning uh, for this. So even before Fiona hit the region, uh, the Canadian Red Cross had already activated our, our volunteers and staff around the region. We had, uh, because we knew the PEI, Prince Edward Island, would probably be very hard hit, we had deployed additional staff and resources into that province from New Brunswick so that they could be uh, ready on scene there. Our colleagues in Quebec did the same thing in the Magdalen Islands, uh, which were also hard hit, uh, which is north of Prince Edward Island, so they had deployed additional people and resources into that province. And in Newfoundland and Labrador, we had moved uh, uh, people and and materials from the St. John's area, the east side of that province, over to the west side to put us closer to the area that would be impacted. And in Nova Scotia, we had uh, moved some additional people and resources into Cape Breton uh, from uh, the mainland part of the province. So you know, in the in the lead up, even you know, we we had taken a number of steps, and of course, all throughout this, we we worked very closely with uh, provincial governments and other emergency management organizations and agencies. So there was a lot of preparation work, although it's a a short timeline because you only get a few days' notice, but lots was done. So we at least were in a better position to respond. So yeah. in in the initial part of the response, yes. Yeah, so I mean, for listeners who don't know, I mean, those are areas that you manage to get to that are all hard to get to uh, once the storm hits, right? I mean, those are all areas that are pretty, pretty hard to. I mean, you know, Cape Breton, southwestern Newfoundland, where Porto Basque is, and so on. Those are hard places to reach. Well, there was a very real concern, for example, that uh, in Nova Scotia, there's there's only one way on to Cape Breton Island, which is the right. Cancel Causeway, which is almost exactly the the, the center line of this hurricane. So there was a lot of concern that if that causeway was damaged, uh, we wouldn't be able to move people or resources back or forth across. And and that's also the link to the ferries to Newfoundland. So if that causeway is disrupted, then it's not just the part of Nova Scotia that's impacted, it's any vehicle traffic to and from Newfoundland. So we were fortunate uh, uh, with that one because that could have really impeded things. 
as an example, at, at the other end of the ferry terminal, it's the town of Porta Basque. And I'm sure your listeners have seen the images out of there with, uh, you know, houses that were you know, literally picked up by the waves and dropped down again and smashed to pieces. And some of them were actually washed away. There was, you know, tragically at least one fatality involved there, too. Uh, that was a community at the height of the storm. We we could not get a team in there. It was just unsafe to be uh, on the road. So so we had uh, a team standing by with uh, you know vehicles and, and camp uh, cots, and blankets, and the other things that we would use to support yeah, yeah. a shelter operation in the city of Cornerbrook, which is is the main city on the west coast of Newfoundland. It's about a two hour drive away. Oh. But by Dan, Saturday, just hang on. We're Dan, we're, we're going to take a quick news break and we're going to come back and we'll finish these thoughts because I have lots to ask you about what the response has been like, what it was like to live through this uh, over the weekend. And we'll get to that. Dan Bedell, the Canadian Red Cross, will be with us after the news. Stick with us. And traditional bureaucratic government programs are very slow to respond. What will the government do to speed up a response to help those who feed all of us get back on their feet? We will continue to be there as a federal government with immediate supports, uh, with the military where it's needed, uh, with investments uh, in the short term, uh, but we will also be there over the medium and indeed long term. The response to uh, post-tropical storm Fiona being debated in the House of Commons in Ottawa today. We've been speaking with Dan Bedell of the Canadian Red Cross in the Atlantic region about some of the immediate needs, some of the response. Uh, Dad, you were just talking about Porto Basque because uh, clearly we spoke with Andrew Parsons, who's the legislative member for the region earlier in the show. We are pretty aware of just how bad it is there, but I guess you're trying to help as well. And throughout that region where it was badly hit down in the southwest. That whole area, yeah. Uh, I mean, the town is, is what you're seeing mostly on the news, but uh, there are others who are affected by, uh, by by damage and ongoing power outages. So we do have a team there that's uh, that's working with the, the community that you know brought with them cots and blankets and the other things they need to operate a shelter. And now it's a very close knit community, and in fact, most of the people who are displaced out of their own homes are staying with others in the community. So. Uh, there, there is a shelter operation there. I, I think last night uh, there were only nine households that needed that, and by morning, some of those have been allowed to return back to their homes once uh, you know they could assess whether it was safe to do so. And a few others were uh, dispersed to hotels, motels in the area. Yeah, but, but that shelter remains open because uh, uh, you know there are there are other homes that uh, people may have left, uh, and once they go back to them. And, realize that you know they're unsafe they, they may need some help too so we've done that there that that has been a big part of our operation in the initial couple of days after this we've been uh, supported with our volunteers and staff and cots and blankets and all of the other shelter uh, resources we need um, several initially of uh, five shelters in the Halifax area and we're now down to really supporting one large one it had about 100 people stay there uh, the last uh, the first night after the storm and um, and we have a similar operation with even more people staying at it in uh, Sydney which is in Cape Breton which is uh, a much harder hit area and a lot of devastation down there and we've had teams that have been supporting uh, shelter operations in Prince Edward Island and also a uh, couple of places along the uh, eastern side of New Brunswick that were hard hit too. And I, I deal with the Atlantic provinces, but I know that our, our counterparts in Quebec were dealing with uh, uh, communities along the Gaspé and uh, the Magdalene Islands that were uh, similarly impacted. 
So a lot of that was our focus initially. Uh, We're now moving into sort of later stages of additional forms of support that we can provide. uh, Yeah, what does that look like? Some of that in partnership. Yeah, what does that look like coming in? I mean, obviously you have that initial response where people are without power, they're not sure they can stay in their homes, and then slowly but surely, I guess you figure out where the need still is. What will that look like, do you think, in the next, you know, 48, 72, 96 hours? Well, I mean, we, we will maintain these shelters for as long as there's a clearly identified need for them. A lot of the people who are staying there, in fact, we know uh, are coming from houses and apartment buildings where roofs were torn off or there was other structural damage such that they simply cannot safely go back home. Uh, now, now, what they're going to do in the longer term um, you know, because uh, these repairs may take a while if, if they're even repairable. You know, some of these structures may have to be rebuilt completely. And uh, you know, like much of the, uh, the country, I think there's a you know critical shortage of housing in many areas, and this just only exacerbates that. So, uh, other agencies, uh, you know, uh, provincial governments, uh, uh, housing authorities, others, clear, you know, clearly are becoming involved in this. But at least in this initial phase, you know, we want to make sure that people, if they don't have family, friends, or, or some other arrangement they can make, they at least have some place where they can be safe and, and comfortable. And, you know, so those shelters will continue on, uh, until we, uh, you know, manage to find alternatives or they manage to find alternatives and, and that need uh, is no longer there. Uh, what we're moving to now is uh, uh, looking at financial support to people um in a couple of ways. The first one, of course, being the Red Cross itself has opened an appeal to our donors coast to coast in Canada, and people are already contributing to that fund. And we will use uh, that money to assist. Um, you know, it, it's difficult to sort of pinpoint exactly how it will be used right now because a lot of needs assessment is still going on. A lot of needs haven't been even identified yet. But in general terms, we, we as we've done in other disasters across the country, those funds will be used to support uh, the ones who are the most heavily impacted and with uh, a lot of expenses, uh, uh, particularly those that are not covered by uh, government uh, assistance programs or insurance. Uh, You know, even even if people qualify for both of those, not everybody does, we know there are going to be huge uh, needs that they will have. And and that's where we see the Red Cross stepping in with that with, with funds given to us by donors that we in turn can put right into right. the bank accounts of people are those who being, need that, are those, uh, being, those funds. Those, those are being matched by Ottawa right now, is that right? There is, yes. Yeah, The federal government on Sunday announced that uh, for the next month they will match donations to that fund um, from individuals and from businesses and corporations. Right. It must have been, I mean, all your volunteers, you you're all you all live there. It must have been a rough weekend for you as well. You have both these commitments as members of the Red Cross to help, but also worrying about your own families and your own homes. Um, I can give you one interesting example. Like in, in Cape Breton, which is a hard-hit area, uh, a number of the people who are, have been evacuated because of damage to their apartment building, the roof was ripped right off, are international students from around the world attending Cape Breton right. University. One of those uh, is actually, you know, in, in his spare time while he's in Canada, is one of our volunteers. So, oh, wow. so at the shelter in Sydney, we have somebody who's out of his home, along with all of his first student friends uh, from the same building, but he's also there, you know, volunteering in a capacity with the Red Cross. But we, you know, we we do have others, and and yes, they are hearing, you know, I mean, 
people out there in a shelter are obviously very frustrated and uh you know it, it's, it's extremely unsettling i mean you know they're, they're out of their home because it's been damaged or destroyed which is bad enough but now they're in a, you know, a shelter where you know it's not a place that they want to be it's with people that they don't know they don't really know what necessarily the next steps for them are going to be and and it's just general very stressful one of the, so one of the things that the red cross is doing is we we have among our volunteers and staff a cadre of people who specialize in an area we call uh, safety and well-being and also mental health and psychosocial support some of these people in their professional lives are trained as social workers and, and others have training in that field to recognize when, when people are, are really just you know under enormous stress and, and they can you know talk to them and you know, you know, try to work with them to, uh, you know, to, just to hear them out. Sometimes all they need is to be able to talk to somebody and, and uh, you know, that has some professional experience at dealing with that. So that, that's one of the things that we are offering at yeah, uh, we, shelter operations. We were hearing that from uh, from Andrew Parsons in in, uh, in Porto Basque today that he had a phone call from someone he knew and they were just, you know, they were back in their home, but the, they didn't feel safe. They didn't know what to do. It was all very uncertain. They had lost their backyard. You know, this is a really stressful time. Uh, Dan Bedell, thank you so much for talking to me tonight. I appreciate it. And uh, keep up the good work. We'll try to catch up again sometime later in the week. I appreciate it, Ben. Thanks.